0: This is the Agile Business Athlete Show, a well-being podcast that shows you how to beat burnout and have more fun. In each episode, Leanne will be joined by special guests who will share their secrets of how they stay healthy and energised and the simple steps they take to prioritise good health. And if they can do it, so can you. And now over to your host, Leanne Spencer.
1: So my guest this week is someone I've known a long time, actually. His name is Steve Shove. He's a survival instructor, an author, performance coach, a business owner, and a lover of and advocate for nature. And we've connected, I would say, twice, really. We met in the city 15 years ago or so um, when we both worked for the same company. We now both share that love of nature um, though we, I guess, experience it slightly different ways. Steve, firstly, welcome to the show.
0: It's great to have you. Thanks, Leanne. It's, it's really nice to be here.
1: So at what point in your city career did you decide that enough was enough? Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps you just thought you weren't living to your values or there was a, another way that you could be living life to get all the marrow out of, out of it, as it were. What point was that for you? And tell us a little bit of a story about how you made that transition from city to what you do now.
0: No, absolutely, yeah. So it was a pivotal moment in, in my life, uh, for, for sure. And uh, I hope that's helped a lot of other people subsequently yeah, with the work I do. But yeah, so back in the city, um, as you know, Leanne, I ran um, uh, the European division of a software and information company. Um, loved it, absolutely loved it to bits. Um, and it was a time during the, uh, the previous uh, financial crash, and we were doing some really fantastic work turning things around. But I saw around me a lot of people that were really burning out. Um uh, one or two people didn't come out of it, shall we say, and that prompted me to think, do you know what? Um, this is a very, very stressful situation for a lot of people. And I saw so many people working in jobs because um, of fear, fear of not having an income, fear of change, fear of how I'm going to pay my mortgage or my, my children's school fees, for example. And for me personally to de-stress, I uh, started to train for fun, as a survival instructor, bushcraft and survival instructor. So uh, once a month, I'd go out uh, for several days into the wilderness. And I know you've done similar stuff subsequently, and so you know just how what a thrill that is. Um, I have,
1: is that something you'd always wanted to do?
0: Well, since I was a small boy, uh, back in the day, before health and safety, I would leave my house at, at the age of five or six years old and not be seen again until 7pm from breakfast time to the shout of my mum, you're late for tea, and where I'd been, was in the woods building fires and camps and making spears and trying to catch animals and all sorts of things. Didn't catch anything, but I had fun, fun trying. So I've always had that in me, this thrill of, of being in an adventure situation in, in the wild. Um, one morning, uh, I think it was an October morning, certainly a winter month, I'd slept out under a shelter I'd made, sleet and snow, really awful. And um, as I was going to my campfire, I thought, do you know what, to survive and thrive out here in the wild is just like surviving and thriving in the city and in life. And uh, there was the idea of, of, um, of creating a, a methodology or an approach that could actually maybe positively impact lives in an inspiring way. So kind of long story short, um, I didn't particularly agree with a few things that, that I was being asked to do, and I thought, I don't have to live like this anymore. I'm going to, uh, to make a change. So partway across London Bridge, I sent an email that I knew would change my career situation, shall we say, and surely enough, by the time I got to the other side, the response came, and therefore uh, my three-month transition to, uh, to a new life I began. So it was very much a conscious decision to press that button. I remember the butterflies. I looked back at the City of London just as I had stepped onto the bridge, I thought, am I going to do this? And I thought, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in a way that I'm not happy with the values that maybe I don't entirely agree with. And I'm not criticizing anyone here. But for me personally, it's time for a change. So um, three, three months later, absolutely wonderful. I'm finding myself in some gorgeous bluebell woods. Instead of an office, a um, beautiful city office, um, instead of that, I had a gorgeous large teepee and a bluebell wood. Instead of my my briefcase, um, I had my bushcraft knife. And instead of my, uh, my suit... Um, I was dressed like a man of the woods, and a few weeks after that, my old team came down. A of, number of my old team came down for their first team day out in the woods, in nature, where I started to put into practice with my my former colleagues um, this new methodology, all about surviving and thriving, and just you know using nature and lessons from nature and lessons from people who've lived in nature since the dawn of time and applying it to their lives. So hopefully that's not too long an explanation, but um, it's certainly a pivotal moment,
1: yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, not all of us can be what we wanted to be as children in our adult lives, you know. Hardly any of us are going to yeah. make it as a ballerina or an astronaut, let's face it. Yeah. But there's a quote from a Milan Kundera book, which is The Unbearable Likeness of Being, and it's life is the something along the lines of life is the search for the halves of ourselves we have lost. That's not exactly mm. it, but it's close to it. And I always used to think that that related to another person, Mm. you're always looking for another person to complete you and I quickly realized to disabuse myself of that notion that you are whole and you are just just fine as you are yeah. I realized that at least for me what it it makes me think is that we've lost half we've lost something of ourselves and I think you know this podcast is not just about burnout but that's a feature of it but it mm. often features people's stories feature a career shift because I think we've become so disengaged from what was important to us as a child and some of that is a necessary part of growing Absolutely. up but, you know, how did you end up in a plush? How do we end up in city offices selling software when we both always dreamt about being in the outdoors? And
0: it, well, that, that's, it... that's, that's a really good question. So I think many of your listeners will either themselves experience it or know those that are, the people that really have found themselves in, in, let's say, midlife doing something that actually, you know, in their heart, they have that knot in their stomach. I'm really not doing what I want to do. When I get to work with young people who are making their very first career choices, very often with very uh, positively determined parents for them to become a lawyer or this, that or the other, I say to them, no, this is your life. You make those decisions. Don't just chase money. Don't just chase what your parents think you should do or your carers. Do what you love. And then your value system will be set right in the first place. And so if I can stop people making that mistake so 20 years on they're in that situation as I, as I felt I was to some degree, um, uh, certainly others to, to a high degree, then, then that's great. But your listeners, if it's really a, a business audience, um, you know, who are more mature in years, should we say, rather than um, straight out of school. Um, be brave, be bold. Um, back in the dawn of time, people stepped out from the plains of Africa into the receding glacial regions of Europe. They didn't know the landscape. All they had was what they knew about nature, their innovative minds, their determination, and their ability to work together. And you know what? We don't need any more than that. We have everything that we need around us. We've made things too complicated, we've become too disconnected. So my, my, my view is be bold, follow your dream, you will be okay. It's in your DNA. Um, success is in your DNA. Um, Richard Dawkins talks about um, modern day people. If you think about it, we are the pinnacle of all the successful people that have gone before us. So we are absolutely top draw. And you know, you will survive and thrive, absolutely. So get rid of that knot in your stomach and make the leap. Um, tying it back into nature. Sometimes a walk in the woods can be a huge, uh, a huge catalyst if you just take time just to observe nature. Just to be calm in nature, to enjoy its colours, the smells, the beauty of nature. Um, it frees your mind, and you can say, "Am I really doing what I'm meant to be as a human? Am I meant to be doing what I'm doing today?" And many people, that would be absolutely yes. But for those of you that feel uncertain, um, you can survive. You know, as I say, it's just um, it's just being bold enough to do it.
1: Mm. So talk us through then what you get from nature personally. You've know, what do you you've touched on some of these things very likely, but when you're taking a walk through nature, what do you get from it? From a biological perspective, perhaps? Um, I mean, for example, we know that chemicals are, are emitted from leaves, phytoncides, they're called, mm. which have a really positive effect on the nervous system and on the immune system. Um, so that's kind of what I'm getting at from a chemical perspective. Yeah. But what do you get experientially as well and for your nervous system? And then we'll talk about how you can use some of that to help other people get those benefits and benefits for their own?
0: No, that's, that's, that's a great question. Well, um, I, think, uh, I, I think there's, there's something that, that really resonated with me. When, when I was uh, in the middle of my, uh, my city career, shall we say, and I had young children, um, I would often come home and my family would say, oh, crikey, um, Dad needs to be at one again. He's uh, he's looking a bit edgy. He's, he's Let's get him out in the countryside. Dad's dad's not at one. It was this was the joke. Old oh, dad needs to be at one. At uh, one with nature is the, to finish the sentence. And it was like you know he's clearly in a grumpy mood. He's a bit tired. You know, not really personally want to be around. Um, so a quick walk with the family out in the woods or along a riverbank something would 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 sometime it would somehow reset me. So. Clearly, you've talked about the chemical and the physical kind of things. There is something magical. Um, I'm not a scientist, so I can't explain it all, but um, it's something to do probably with endorphins and such like. But it just calms you. It resets you um, and reconnects you with the world around you. And I think um, what nature does for me, it allows me to look around and think, do you know what, I have everything I need. I don't need you know the big posh car and the big, big posh house. It's nice to have those things if you desire them, but actually, you you need very little to live, um, and to live well and to live happily. So I come away feeling happy. I come away feeling blessed, um, without using you know too crazy a word, but I, I do feel very blessed with my life. You've got um, if you're fortunate enough to have good health and you've got a roof over your head and all those good things. Being out in nature, you you realise actually um, you, you need very little. So, so we are all very very blessed. Um, On the happiness front, when I travel around the world, as I do sometimes to pretty extreme locations, uh, I often meet um, indigenous peoples. And I'm always struck by those that live in the jungle, for example, so um, in Borneo or in the Amazon. Uh, The people that truly live, let's say, off grid, um, there is a joy and a happiness that you notice that you don't generally see in the modern Western world where there are houses and cars and planes and automobiles and jobs and careers. They're totally happy from the smallest child, you know, a four-year-old child learning to use a machete that's as tall as he or she is, uh, the joy of kicking a small coconut around or something or a small football, to the oldest person in the village who's got not a tooth in his or her head, who's valued, who's respected, and anything and everything they need. Is around them themselves, as I say, and everything's provided by nature. There's a peace and a happiness that you just don't get when you are in the modern world. So for me, that's nature, absolutely nature that, that, that at its most um, powerful. When you see the same people become modernised, and they are maybe because of um, uh, maybe because of industry to- chopping down the, the forest, for example, the palm oil industry is a piece point. People are displaced and they're put in in these, these so-called um, uh, housing units and, and villages. There's a sadness in their eyes. Um, they've lost touch with nature. They start to get introduced to TV and all the things that come with the internet. And uh, they are rely upon a paycheck and whether they're hired or fired. And the joy goes out of them. And uh, you know we've lived like that as a as a Western society for a long, long time. So. What does nature give me? What does it give anybody? I think it's it's happiness. It's a sense of of being things are right and um, uh, and a sense of peace. It, I hope that answers your question adequately. Leah,
1: of course. I mean, it's it's your truth. It's your experience. I mean, listeners won't be able to see this, but but Steve, you will. I've got a tattoo on my right wrist, oh, yeah. which is uh, two leaves, which is heavily shaded, and two hands, which are lightly shaded, sort of holding those leaves, and that is to me. Firstly, the symbiotic nature of human beings with nature. Secondly, that nature is dominant because it's heavily shaded, Yeah. Um, by which I mean it's got thicker ink. Uh, so it's dominant as in it's precious and, and it is the most important thing. Um, and we're holding that in our hands, sort of cupping it in our hands, because we have the the ability to protect or harm nature. And one thing I think we've become really disconnected to, and I do think you can link this to professional burnout and burnout in all its different mm. presentations, is we've become deeply disconnected to nature. Nature in terms of the trees, the animals, um, the plants, but also our own natures, which I just don't think were designed to be in these heavily built up, mass populated areas Um, Mm. and you see that you can see when it gets too busy and we don't have that quiet and that sanctity of nature it doesn't do people any good so I always can withstand it or put up with it better than others. Uh, One question I was going to ask you is when you take people out in a professional capacity into the woods or into the various different bits of nature I know that some people from my experience have a real issue with the quiet uh, mm. What are your thoughts on that and how do you help them to sort of not see that as something to be feared, but something to actually take comfort in?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting thing. Um, especially if you're working in a, in a fairly uh, busy, stressful job, maybe you've got your own business or company or you're running a division or department. Um, everything's on the go, on the go, on the go. And especially with, uh, with ubiquitous communications now, you never get a chance to switch off. So that mm. silence can sometimes be a deathly silence until you really start to listen Um, One of the things we've become disconnected from, in particular, are the use of our senses, Um, all the five senses, because we don't need to use them in our modern world. Um, The minute you step into nature, they start to get switched on again. So that silence, once you allow that to happen, suddenly becomes a cacophony of wonderful noise, of wonderful smells, of wonderful sights, of wonderful visions. So actually, um, having people um, do something called nooming, Actually, N O O M I N G. I'll often take people out and to help them connect with the environment around them, they'll sit very quietly, um, no noise, um, in a comfortable position under a tree, for example. And they'll do um, this this idea of nooming, which actually, uh, uh, primitive hunters will often go and just sit quietly and use all their senses, often with their eyes closed, funny enough, to use the other senses to switch those on, to build up a mental picture of what's going on around them. They'll hear birds in, in one part of the forest they'll hear the, the, the river trickling by in another place. There might be a sudden noise from an animal scurrying from another place. So they start to build up this rich picture of what's going on. And then when they open their eyes, they're totally in tune with the forest. The forest is in tune with them. So if you're a hunter, that's really, really important. Um, mm. I don't hunt for fun, by the way, for any listeners. This is talking about native peoples that really hunt this a necessity. But with that nooning exercise, people realise, actually, it's not just a quiet, silent place. It's it's a wonderful place, totally rich. And I use that then quite often as a link to people's scarcity mindset. You'll you'll, you'll understand what I mean, Leanne. Um, Lots of people in business or in education or or wherever, they say, I haven't got enough of this, I haven't got enough of that. They say they've not got enough staff or enough money or enough time. Mm-hmm. or enough experience or, or, or enough years under their belt to, to get this next job. I mean, scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. Once you sit quietly in nature um, and and all of the uh, the cacophony that i described comes to mind, you start to spot all these amazing resources around you and realise there is so much there to hand. You don't need to think there's not anything that you need. So you go into, into the forest, you sat quietly, you tuned into nature. Um, you're spotting all these amazing things from which you could make shelter, find food, medicine, clothing, ways to navigate, um, all kinds of things. And there's a great link then back to people's personal lives and back to their business lives where we say, okay, so how are you viewing your world, your environment? Is it one of abundance or one of scarcity? And a combination of mindset and knowledge then um, allows people to achieve far more with less. So often with my, with my corporate clients, how, do, how can we achieve far more with less or with what we've got and do so in a way where our well-being is really um, strong as well? And those kind of two themes are things themes that, that my clients tend to take away from the woods.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, think, I, I I love that. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think one of the things that, that being in nature helps people to do is as well is get out of self. Mm. So you've kind of been talking about that there, you know. Well, actually, you're talking about connecting to some of their challenges in the, I'm going to say the outside world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think also, I mean, what I love to do is just get out of self, just daydream, just look around and not not think about some of the challenges that I might be facing. Sometimes I find walking in nature helps me to problem solve. And sometimes I just mm. want to get out of self. Um, you know, just, just disappear into a daydream or be taken away, have my eye diverted by the various different sights and my ears by the sounds is that something that, that you benefit from as well or you see other people
0: from a professional oh, oh, capacity t- oh, totally i mean that that kind of imagination that daydreaming um is wonderful so you've got you got kind of two aspects you've got the uh, i'm just feeling relaxed my mind's wandering and and you just start to think about things um that that's that's really powerful and everyone i think gets that once they just have that moment in nature but where I love the idea of nature inspiring um, imagination and daydream is when I'm particularly working with with um, kids, so we do as well as work with companies. we work in schools. and um, what we'll often do we'll have them take a look at the flames of the fire and say, what can they see in there, or look at the shapes of the clouds, what can they see there? What patterns um, trigger what thoughts so when they're looking through, through the trees, for example. And it's incredible what they come up with. Very often um, they say, oh, I can see a volcano or I can see a, a mighty river. Um, or someone else might say, I can see my grandma or my mum mm-hmm. giving me food or something. And, uh, and it's really incredible how everyone's minds um, flow in different ways. They wander in different ways. What we then love to do with the children is to take all of those ideas and create a random story that brings them all together. So if, if you've done a, a great day outdoors with a, with a group of kids and um, it's towards the end of the day, they're getting a bit tired. You know, the story around the campfire is fantastic. But if you can get them to uh, to come up with what they can see in the flames or in the shadows around them and then weave that into something that just absolutely uh, engages them, um, that does two things. One, it entertains them. Uh, but two, it just really connects them with nature and the joy and, and the love and the excitement they've got from nature. So when they go back, to see their families, they can talk about this crazy story that either me or one of my team have told them um, about crazy dragons, or how the dragon helped uh, someone's mum get food when they were hungry, and and it all blends in, and, and it's wonderful. So as a as a catalyst for, for daydreaming, for thought, um, and I would say in business terms, without going into all of my kind of business methodologies, um, the ability for us to always find solutions to problems, to innovate and to adapt, that's a, a key theme. So when you look at nature, you don't just see a tree. You know, you'll you see food, you see clothing, you see medicine, for example. When you study somebody who lives in the wild um, and you're just daydreaming watching them, particularly when you go to uh, overseas locations, um, you'll see just how innovative people are. You know, they create anything and everything they need from basically nothing. Um, you and I worked in sales for many years, and very often um, a sales rep would say that his or her sales territory or set of accounts or particular customer was a rubbish one. And as, as, a, as a VP, I'd often get knocks on my doors. Why have I got such a rubbish territory? And every sales director, every sales manager has had the same story. Well, you take them out into the woods, take that team out into the woods. Um, And then all they'll see is some brown stuff or some green stuff. And if if they're not into the outdoors, oh, what a rubbish day, what a rubbish team day I'm going to have. At the end of the day, they've created and made all these amazing things. And then you link that back. You find their imagination now, their self belief because They've achieved amazing things that work together in ways they haven't done before. Um, You get their imagination and you link it very specifically back to their business challenges, to their rubbish territory or their supposed rubbish account. And get them to think differently, A, with the mindset, and B, with some knowledge and skills and tools. And they will go back to their offices um, so much more motivated and equipped and enabled to achieve more with the same territory they began with than they did before coming out into the woods. Um, Mm -hmm. I contributed to to a book called Sales Genius Number One, if, if anyone's interested, where we look at how we can use nature to improve business performance with specific regard to sales but it applies to anything and everything in life any business function every business function but also anything to do with your life whether it's relationships uh, whether it's um, physical well-being mental well-being whether it's communication there's just lessons to be drawn in an inspiring wonderful way that takes any engagement with nature Um, to a whole new level in terms of its link back to your own real life, where it really matters.
1: I'll link to that book in the show notes. Um, I presume it's on Amazon. It's
0: on Amazon, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. I'll put a link to that. I want to talk now specifically about survival skills because I think a lot of people might think, how does the ability to cut notches into a stick to make a tent peg possibly relate to me in the real world yeah. i'm never going to need to make a fire um i'm never going to need to set a snare trap and maybe we won't go down the sort of trapping and the animal aspect of yeah. it um but in a survival situation you would need to do it. i'm a i'm a vegan i'd be donate lots of money every month to animal welfare but in a survival yeah. situation i you know humanely i might need to do that but we won't go into that today but some of the other survival skills how do you think they have a, a practical what kind of lessons do they teach us about the out the the, the, the wider world
0: Okay, well, um, my methodology, which is called the Really Wild Method, is all about that, really very expressly taking those lessons from living in nature and surviving and thriving in nature, surviving and thriving at home, at school, and in the workplace. And um, uh, So let's just take a a couple of examples. You heard me talk about, for example, how a salesperson thinks their territory is rubbish, and at the end of the day, they realise that rich abundance um, uh, can be applied to their own uh, performance. Before I carry on answering that, how does that help the salesperson's performance improve? Why is that important to me? This goes back to why I effectively ended my corporate career halfway across London Bridge, because so many salespeople were living in fear of their jobs. If their targets weren't hit, um, if their performance wasn't consistent over time, they knew they would lose their jobs. And for some of them, there were real mental issues and physical issues. Sadly, some of them ended their lives. And so, this simple throwaway comment, oh, we can help you perform better at work. Why is that important to me? That's why I set my business up to stop people ending their lives or living lives without feeling scared the whole time, um, where their, their physical and mental health is deteriorating. Um, not many people would probably put that idea, uh, link that idea to what I do, but, but that was the, the reason. But going back to, to um, what you asked me, some survival skills. So, for example, that notch, you talked about how will we cut a notch specifically. Let's say we needed to make fire by friction. Really difficult job for most people. takes lots of practice. If you cut that notch slightly at the wrong angle, or you use the wood with slightly the wrong wood, or your technique is just slightly wrong, you will never make fire. You'll burn all your energy, um, your sweat, your curse, and you probably will not survive in a survival situation. So what's the parallel? Well, really fantastic preparation to making that fire-by-friction kit is a parallel. If you don't um, plan and do all the homework you need um, to run your business or other aspects of your corporate life or personal life, well, you're probably not going to succeed. If you don't pay attention to the detail, so maybe you're dealing with a contract and you're rushing things through to get the sales target. Um, or you're looking at an M&A situation and you thought, you know what, I don't need to worry about X, Y, and Z. That lack of attention to detail um, in the real wild can be the difference between life and death. In the corporate world, it would be the difference between performing well or not, or ending up in litigation, for example. So there's a little example there, you know, cutting a notch in a piece of wood to make um, fire by friction, um, attention to detail, and planning. The other thing then, um, when you want to make that fire by friction, is your technique and your energy that you've got. So perhaps designing a kit that can be used by two people instead of one shows the power of trying not to do everything on your own. So particularly, I find that entrepreneurs who run their own companies, uh, that transition from sole trader to small business to, let's say, bigger business, um, and I'm guilty of that myself um, as a small business owner, you end up doing way too much yourself. So actually, it gives people a really interesting way to stop and reflect. And we've had many customers out, many of which that, that you know we yeah, are, into the woods, and particularly entrepreneurs. We have an amazing time, but we, just, we do these great activities, and then we stop and reflect and discuss, oh, what lessons can I personally take in a way that's completely meaningful to my own situation and circumstance? And our approach um, when we take people outdoors, whether it 's children or, or business professions, is how can we, how can we give you lessons that are totally appropriate to your own unique situation and circumstance so that you truly understand, connect, and engage with what matters to you and not necessarily what matters in general to everybody else and um, mm. so we find we always get amazing um, feedback, lots of fun, yeah. but actually that was useful so just taking that notch idea um, is great and um, How do you find your way in the wild and not don't get lost? You know, really serious issue. If you don't know how to find your way, well, there are are great techniques to be used. Whether it's the sun or the stars or or the wind, for example, the shape of trees. It's it's just amazing how you can find your way um, and not get lost. But then there are parallels. Okay, I've got a key project back at work. Um, I've got a strategy that I'm building, or we're already underway with. Um, So, what tools and techniques can we Use to make sure we're on the right direction and that we're on course, on time, and on budget. So people know this stuff. There's loads of product, uh, project methodologies around, etc. But actually, when you start to draw the lessons from kind of an inspiring wilderness situation, where the consequence awareness of, of potentially life and death is so raw and in your face, and then you tie that back to the consequences to your business or your personal life or your sense of security in your job. Um, It inspires people to do the right things more often and for longer. Um, So hopefully that gives you a couple of ideas then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for that, Steve. I was just just thinking and making a few notes. And I think one of the huge benefits that I've observed in myself and others is that being out in nature requires you, unless you're just going to stroll through, in which case you could be anywhere. Mm. Um, to notice, to have a wide gaze, particularly if you are trying to notice something, whether it's a sound or a sight or a smell, yeah. you have to have this soft, wide gaze, don't you? And I think that's very applicable for business because quite often I remember being in a, a couple of times when I've been in sales meetings and once it, it wasn't for the positive 20 odd years ago, cause I missed what they really wanted. And I went in with another benefit. It wasn't what they really wanted. And it cost us the business. More recently, I went in with a fixed sort of, I said fixed mindset. That'll that'll do in terms of telling the story on what I wanted to sell and what I thought they needed. So I had a very narrow gaze. I was just, if you like, walking quickly through the woods, simply to get to the other side, because that was my mm. destination to make that parallel. Um, and I didn't have a soft, wide gaze. And what they actually wanted was something much bigger, much financially better, much more rewarding, and much more long-term. But had I been too focused in on the, let's just get through to the conclusion. So that's just one way you can sort of make a parallel. Go into your next business meeting or sales meeting with a wide, softer gaze, as it were, um, and just notice, observe, listen. What are the the little tells that...
0: I think you hit on one of the key key things... Um, I call it opportunity creation. So if you are somebody who's um, living in the wild, you are totally, and it kind of plays to your cadence idea, the flow of things. Um, I was asked by my boss whilst I was still running the, the company I mentioned earlier, when I came back from uh, my first week in the wild, she said, how did you not get bored? How did you fill your days? And it was a full-on survival situation. I said, because the, entire, the entirety of the time, I'm fully connected with nature. And you're looking at every single thing that could be useful to you or dangerous to you. And time just flows naturally from finding food and shelter and water and all the things you need. Um, Opportunity creation. When should I? Opportunity taking and opportunity creation. So in business, lots of opportunities are not spotted because they haven't got that soft gaze or that wide gaze. They're not using all their senses. An example of a salesperson using the senses to know their territory might be, um, okay, well, I'm familiar with the insurance market. That's great. I'll probably read uh, maybe a blog. That's great. But are you really connected and engaged with people? Are you contributing? Are you going to meet people? Are you um, uh, spreading your, your, yourself as, as widely as you can? Um, so there's a parallel there. So spotting opportunities uh, and taking them. If I, if I see a parallel, if I see something that's useful for me to make fire when should I grab that? The answer is, is when I see it. You think, oh, I might be carrying that around for a while. Well, grab it whilst you can, because you know what? It might not be there when you need it, when the sun goes down to make the fire. Um, that could be because it's been rained on or it's been blown away. Um, if there's a, a food source, when should I grab that? Well, when you see it. Why? Why? Because maybe another person or another animal would have taken it before you grab it. So. There's two things. When should you grab an opportunity? It's as soon as you possibly can, there and then. Um, with obviously, the due diligence needed in business terms, but, but don't let it sit around for very long. Really, really good tool for salespeople where deals go cold, for example. But then the other thing is opportunity creation, which goes back to the innovation. So with that wide gaze, Leanne, with that tree, that's not just a tree, but it's also you know firewood and medicine and potential food and clothing and all that stuff. You then use that innovative approach we talked about, to combine it with something else. And suddenly you've created, um, I don't know, a signal fire platform that's going to work come what may should a helicopter come overhead. You've just made that opportunity, created an opportunity to be rescued by just looking at something that looked a bit rubbish, for example. Um, uh, It might be that you've uh, created something uh, that will help you navigate. So a simple portable sun compass. So you saw a twig on the ground, um, you've got a knife with you, um, you're thinking, oh, if I put a stick in the ground, I can tell where I'm going. But how would I do that um, on the run? Uh, like the uh, people who are on horseback on the Mongolian plains, how do they find their way? Well, they, they don't put a stick in the ground and wait several minutes every time. They make a mini version. And how did they make it? Well, they made some twine from some bark. They made a platform to replicate the ground from a piece of wood. They put a stick in the ground, and they were always, always observing, always learning. So. You know, when, when this, this shadow is in one direction, it means that's south. When it's in another place at a certain time of day, it means it's north, this, that, and the other. And um, so you know, your, your wide gaze thing, I think, really leads into that. You know, the opportunities are out there. You should grab them when you can and be as creative as you can to create new opportunities, yeah. um, you know, whether it's through partnerships or, or whatever, through changing your products, blending products and ideas it's just so inspiring. I get so enthusiastic, but uh, I've gone on way too long on that
1: one. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. But I think, it's, I think it's deeper than that as well, though. It changes how you feel about yourself. So when I got into survival, I also, for a short period, started helping out with a, a friend's building company some while ago, mm. doing labouring and learning some building skills. And as a result of that, plus the survival skills that I've learned over the years, I, you feel a lot more resourceful. Your ability oh. to be creative, your your feelings of empowerment and mm-hmm. capability, um are huge. You know, part of that innovation idea is that you, you kind of innovate on your own understanding of what you can achieve. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's massive as well. And plus, you get this reconnection opportunity that comes to, to some easier than it does to others, of being out in nature and 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 almost back to basics, really.
0: Um, and I, I think so- the very go on. Sorry, no, I completely agree. I, I remember when I first knew I could make fire just using stuff from the woods, you know, f- using fire by friction. Um, you, it's blood, sweat and tears, as, as, you, as you will know. Um, yes. But once you know you can actually source the stuff yourself and make it and actually make the fire, that gives you that confidence that, Do you know what, wherever you put me on yeah. the planet, unless it's in the Arctic, yeah. I might need a fire, steel. Um, you know what, I'm going to be okay. Because if you've got fire, you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. And uh, you're totally right, Leanne. And, um, you know, Tony Robbins does the walking on, on fire. Or walking
1: I remember on fire. when you did that. I remember when I, you came yeah, back to the no, office and said, nightmare. I've had the most extraordinary weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was a nightmare for a few weeks. I felt so empowered uh, yeah. that, I, that I'd done that. But actually going into nature and um, achieving these things and uh, it, it builds your resilience, builds your confidence and self-belief. Yeah. And you cannot put a price on that. It's just so
1: wonderful. No, it's extraordinary. Let's spend the last few minutes talking about uh, a little bit about you and how you use some of these skills. So it's the Agile Business Athlete Show. You've mentioned the cadence, which is predict, prepare, perform, recover, predict what's coming up in your professional, your personal life, prepare for it by doubling down on your nature time, your sleep, your hydration, your time with family, whatever it is. Go out and do that thing, you know, earn that promotion or help that child into their secondary school, and then recover. how or do you have anything coming up that kind of fits that model for you? You know, have you got any big events coming up where you've had you have double down on your well-being, uh, or how would that yeah, you know, I don't want you to retrofit or try and fit, but how how do you apply some of those those concepts to your life?
0: well, it's it's really interesting because the um uh, the We've got a lot of parallels in our approaches. Um, one of the final pieces of, of a methodology, um, of the methodology that I, I use and have developed, um, at the end of it is to nurture, nourish, and next. Um and the nurturing thing is to whatever you've achieved, whether it's personal health, well-being, or business situation, you want to nurture that so it keeps um, keep going um, to uh, and to protect it. To nourish it is to, is to help it grow. And then next is to find you know, the next great thing so that um, you're always, always progressing. Um, in terms of... Uh, so I very much agree with, 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 the, with the cadence approach. It's definitely a flow. Um, and the earlier parts that you mentioned as well, that there are similar parallels. So how am I using that right now? Well, I've got um, uh, a number of clients that um, come to me for some coaching and mentoring, um, very often about their businesses. Um, and we'll often do that out in the woods, um, either on a one-to-one basis or a small team basis. And um, that just gives us a chance to talk very specifically about situations that they face and challenge, uh, and challenge them, um, but also to draw those parallels in a nice, relaxed way as we observe nature around us and talk about um, you know, our capability to, to achieve and overcome. Um, so I've got a number of those things coming up. This time of year, lots more people want to be outdoors than, let's say, in the middle mm-hmm. of winter. Albeit, I encourage everyone to come out mid-winter with us because that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, um, just funnily enough, this morning, um, I've uh, secured a piece of business where there are thirty individuals that um, uh, have just signed up for one day um, each each, uh, each week over six weeks. Um, to overcome a whole host of um, uh, behavioral and well-being challenges uh, and communication slash team challenges. Um, So we're putting together this program, which will um, get them outdoors once a week, over six weeks, where we'll link all of those things back um, to the uh, the flow of how they work together um, as individuals and as teams.
1: Brilliant. And what about you personally? if you've got anything coming up where you're having to think, you know what, that's going to require a lot of energy reserves. I'm going to sleep a little bit more. Or put yeah. it and let's ask another question, actually. What are your non-negotiables for your own well-being? Do you have one, two, three things that you you always do? They're non-negotiable. Well, yeah,
0: that's really well. good. I've, I've never been asked that question before, but I'm going to do my best to to answer that. My, my non, non-negotiables are that I want to live life on my own terms with a good set of values um, and I also want the time to reflect on am I on track am I living that life and that's where time in nature is really really personally important to me so uh, making sure I've got that time to reflect to think um, to, to benefit from, from the fresh air from the exercise and from the clear thinking that, that nature brings And so that's one thing um, just on thing, that, do, yeah. do
1: you have a, Is there a day a week where it doesn't matter what day it is, but one day a week I get into nature, or is it one day a fortnight, or is it just a short walk on the way to the office, or how do you make that actually translate into an action?
0: Right. Well, that's actually very good. I think I need to improve on that, Leanne. In all honesty, um, I don't. I, I, I tend to be a fairly free-flowing individual when it comes to, to those kinds of things. Right. My work gets me outdoors a lot anyway. But I would yeah. say, kind of by default, at least once a week, I am out in nature, whether I'm working or not. So, whilst I've not sort, sort of said to myself, I must do that every week, I think just because the way I live my life, that's just a natural thing. Um, so, I guess, yeah, so at least once a week, I'm doing that. And, and um, being um, a person who's running his own businesses, it does give me the flexibility to do it when, when I want to. So, um, I think if you're a leader, and either for yourself or for your teams, uh, it's important to give that flexibility. So if somebody really says, you know what, I could benefit from some downtime, whether it's just going out for a walk um, in the local park, if you're in the the, the town or city, or whether it's you want a day or a half day without potentially much notice, if it's at all achievable, I would encourage leaders to allow their staff and, and their colleagues to do that because I do feel that they will come back so much more refreshed um, and um, able to perform. Those leaders that live in fear of people not being productive in the office you know, from the 9 to 5.30, whatever your hours are, um, I think are running the risk of burnout of their staff, running the risk of staff wanting to move on um, under the uh, illusion that they're being productive and that all things are well. What you will find is if you're too rigid, Um, especially in this modern day post-COVID where people's expectations are different. If you've got Generation Z, their expectations are very different to my generation, for example, then you're making a big mistake. So um, make time for yourself and allow your teams to have time. Obviously, you've got to run a business, totally understandable. But I do feel with the right approach, it's much better to, to allow people. And get people outdoors. Come out for a team day, go for a walk, go down, you know, do whatever you want to do, but I think get out outside, you know, at least once every season, you know, if you can get your teams out, at least once every season do something outdoors, mm. even if it's a half day, um, do it, you know, people yeah. just feel so good for it. they really yeah.
1: do. Well, hopefully we've given them plenty to think about in terms of whether you are a leader or whether you're sitting there as an individual thinking, I feel a bit disenfranchised or fallen out of love with life or work um, the first thing I think what we're both saying is is get out into some green space and just yeah. start to sort of relax and reconnect a little bit with nature. Observe, listen. If nothing else, listening to birdsong, observing the length of the grass or the wind moving around in the branches of the trees takes you out of self. And that's, I think, yeah. a fantastic first step. Steve, thank you very much.
0: I do appreciate, appreciate your time, Leanne. And uh, yeah, all the very best for the podcast. It uh, sounds like it's going to be really fantastic want more take our Wellbeing at work company scorecard and get a free personalized report full of actionable insights or if you're interested in finding out what your health iq is take our health iq scorecard links can be found in the show notes and finally if you've enjoyed the show please take a moment to share and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform thank you